0: We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Previously on Cascading Leadership. The one thing that I'm really wondering is how much of your organizational commitment or job commitment is tied to the level of brand building that you do in your role. And the reason why I'm asking that question is Atlassian is a known organization. And typically when I'm looking at some of the larger organizations like Apple and Microsoft and all of those sort of companies, for the size that they are, they're relatively quiet in terms of people that are evangelizing for the brand. And granted, like Microsoft doesn't need evangelists, but you get where I'm going. How much of your organizational commitment is tied to the fact that you're you're allowed to brand build as an individual while you grow your career internally? Is there a relationship there that, that, that's important to call out? And now the conclusion of our conversation with Ashley Faust.
1: Yes and no. So my Apple day job is not to be on LinkedIn or to go speak at conferences or to do podcasts. I do a lot of this work outside of business hours. Obviously, I, there is a symbiotic relationship with the brand. There is benefit to Atlassian for me being out there. I would say just in the last year or so, that has accelerated, right? So as we continue to grow, we have started to realize that the more organic approach that we've had to something like brand evangelism, we're getting to the point where we need to have a more formal process for that. We need to think about, okay, who are the right folks to be out there speaking about this topic or that topic? What are the conferences? What are the media outlets that they should be in, those kinds of things, right? So in the past, we've had a smaller bench of people that have had a lot of support to do that. I'm a little bit of an oddball. Like, I would almost say I go rogue, but not in a bad way. No one's going to slap my hand, right? Because I have internalized the message. I I do show up well on behalf of brand. And I have started to get to go and do speaking on behalf of Atlassian, which is really cool. I got to speak on behalf of Atlassian at Slack Frontiers, for example. I've started to get to speak on some Agile topics and ways of working on behalf of Atlassian. So some of that is really about that symbiotic relationship. And I think that that's something that is becoming a more relevant conversation for people as they think about growing their careers I love public speaking. Again, that singer-actor portion. I love public speaking. I love being on stage. I like doing video. I like being the face. And so because I have that as a hobby, I'm generally pretty good at it, right? I know what I'm talking about. I have good energy. I can stand up. I don't get stage fright, those kinds of things. That has potential to be highly valuable to the company that I'm working for. Whether or not the topics that I'm most passionate about talking about are the most relevant for their brand message and brand platform at the moment, that's where some of the negotiation comes in, right? So again, that's an ongoing conversation. I think that we have traditionally had one of our values is be the change you seek. And I think we've taken a very be the change you seek approach to a lot of that brand building. In contrast to what you see from some companies that have maybe been around longer that have a more rigid set of guidelines that... Only these people are allowed to speak on behalf of the company or please don't post anything on social media about the company. And it's like, okay, if we want our people to live by our values, one of which is be the change you seek. We also have another value called open company, no BS. Okay. That means that we want you to be empowered to build your personal brand and where that intersects with Atlassian. Again, this is a perfect conversation about career things this is great from a hiring perspective, right? When I share this and people are like, man, I want to work for a values-driven company. Yes, you do. Come work for Atlassian, right? They benefit from me having this conversation and they're okay with me having it at 4.30 my time on a weekday because we both benefit from this. So I would say that It's not an official part of my job, but it benefits me from a career standpoint. Obviously, it benefits Atlassian from an awareness and an authenticity standpoint. And so when you hire people who are values driven and who are aligned with the mission of the company, you don't have to police what they're saying because they are already aligned. And then when you choose a company that does give you that freedom and that trust, you have the ability to infuse your own passions and lean in as much as you want to that kind of personal brand building or audience brand building for yourself.
0: The one thing that I'll say to everything that you just said is that you're throwing out some of the words that like really resonate with me in terms of being values driven, in terms of empowerment, in terms of inspiration. You and I both know Steve Watt. That's what he talks about all the time. So we're like three pods or three Ps in a pod when it comes to the language that we speak across multiple functions in terms of the enterprise. But what I think is pretty interesting that ties all that together is when you look at buyer behavior, and this is more relevant for you because you're you're the voice of the customer as a marketer. When you look at buyer behavior, people are buying from other people. People aren't buying from companies. So the value in empowering your evangelists in your organization to go forth and evangelize is because... You're like telling them, giving them permission to be a giant megaphone. And the more yeah. authentically that person can be a giant megaphone, the better the attraction model is for people that are out there looking. And this is it, it's phenomenal. It blows my mind, even now. And this is a Gen Xer saying this. I often joke about I must be a Generation Z person trapped in a Gen X body because I'm like everywhere. But the, it blows my mind how much resistance there is in general in the world of work, given the demographics of the, of the, of the employee landscape, most your biggest cohort are millennials and generation Z. And yet you have this overarching like, no, don't put yourself out there, which is really strange to me. You should be, you're working someplace. You should be like passionate about what they do. At least that's me projecting. That's how I think about it. So you have built a pretty solid brand around yourself and I'm undercutting like what you've actually done for yourself. So you've built a solid brand, not a pretty solid brand. My question is this, if I'm somebody that wants to dip my toe in the water and like start doing this stuff, where do I start? Because it's extremely uncomfortable for the average person to even put a status on LinkedIn. Most of the time they're just lurking. So how do you build towards that brand that you want to establish?
1: There's Three things that I'll say, two of which are prompts to just get you started thinking. There's two prompts that I love. If you're not sure what you want to talk about, you don't know what kind of content you want to create, you don't know where your expertise really lies. Let's start with these two prompts. The first is talk about a question that you asked today. And the second is talk about a question that you answered today. And this could be your kid asked you what you had for what we're having for dinner. This could be that your best friend asked you if this dress looks cute. This could be that your your boss asked you if you're going to attend the meeting at 4.30 today. Then you start to jump off and say, okay, how does that relate to my job or my expertise or something like that, as an example. And I, I, I riff on these examples when I give these prompts because I think that you can tie all of these things to anything, right? If your kid asks you, "What are you having for what are we having for dinner tonight?" You could riff on what it means to be a working parent. You could riff on why working from home is the best thing for you to get dinner on the table. You could riff on why you actually prefer working in an office so that you don't have to get those questions from your kids, right? Those are all things that are tied to work. You could also talk about Oh, here's how I plan dinners. And actually, it falls in with agile methodology, where I originally thought I was going to cook dinner and do a big batch of book cooking for the week. But in fact, my kid has soccer practice and then the bathroom was flooded. And so now I had to change my plans. And here's how I did that. Oh, look, life is agile, right? So you can start making those connections. The other piece of this is a question that you've asked. So this could be a challenge that you're facing, again, personal or professional asking your colleague hey when is this piece of work going to be delivered hey do you have any feedback for me on this article that i just sent over okay great let's talk about what is the subject of that article how do you think about content and distribution how do you ask for good feedback what kind of feedback would be most helpful for you that starts to give you something some meat to hold on to and then the other way that you can get started is with commenting so obviously i'm highly biased towards LinkedIn, I'm saying you should get on LinkedIn. If you're in B2B, LinkedIn is a great place for you to be. If you are in say consumer or B2C, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok might be better places for you, right? So pick whatever that channel is. But from my perspective, it's been really easy to start by commenting on someone else's post. So go through, if you've got folks, whether it's your colleagues, whether it's people you've worked with in the past that are sharing on LinkedIn, it's my, me come comment on my content. I'll comment back to you. We'll have a whole conversation and start commenting and comment thoughtfully, not just agree. Yes. Love this. Yeah. Okay. I literally can't do anything with that. What am I, I can't write. I don't know what to do with that. I actually am riffing on a whole series of posts that are literally just comments that I've left from other people. My post this morning was a comment that I left on somebody else's post yesterday and I pulled it out. There's another comment where I'm like, man, that was actually, I I shared a lot of good value in that comment. I should turn that into a post, right? So going in and leaving thoughtful comments is another great way to get started because then you don't feel like you have to be so front and center, but you can start to engage in those conversations and start to put yourself out there. And then once you start to find your flow you can then copy and paste those comments into original content. You can then tag the person who you originally commented on so that they'll start to engage. And so now you've built that relationship. And so that's a way to start getting things going so that you're not feeling so exposed that I have to come up with the most amazing thing ever. And I have to have a framework and all of these things. No, start with a comment, start with a question you asked and a question you answered.
0: It's interesting that you describe it that way. It's a similar version of the internal conversations that I have within my organization and the team that I lead. The broader organization isn't really active on social. Just like most other places, I get looked at I got nine heads. And people are like, I don't have anything really like thought leadershipy to write about. And I say, I don't either. I just run my mouth exactly. about random stuff that happens. Oh, there wasn't enough cheese on my pasta today. And here's a business lesson. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's almost have to like Seinfeld, and, a, and this might be a Gen X thing. I'm not, I'm not sure if Seinfeld was something that you watch, but like Seinfeld had what 10 seasons of shows about nothing, you could build your brand and your credibility and your expertise, essentially writing about stuff that happened, that seems so random, but you just hook it at the end to a business lesson, which is yeah. like, really all it is. One of the interesting things that happened recently was i'm starting to have people dip their toes in the water and one of one of my colleagues who's on the sales side he's actually a team lead for me he he messaged in our teams chat about oh i was following so and so on linkedin I connected with them after that and they posted something on their company page and I commented. And through that comment, I advanced the conversation and got a referral to another person in the company and a different person outside of the company that ends up being a warm handoff. And that's really the thing. If you're advancing the conversation, you don't have to come up with the new version of the standard model on LinkedIn. You just write about your observations and you ask a question and then conversations happen. I think the other part that's important. People always get intimidated about this idea of content creation. And there was something that you just mentioned that, hey, sometimes I'll make a comment and that could be its own piece and lesson from there. So what are some ideas that you can apply as you're building your brand to create a content flywheel that doesn't require you to like reinvent the wheel?
1: It's unfortunate to me that people have put content in such a narrow box. People say, oh, I never create content. Oh, I don't create content. Oh, content is hard. You create a ton of content in Slack, in internal blogs, in emails, on whiteboards, in conversations. And so I think that this mindset that content is this separate thing that has to be created and curated has to be the smartest thing ever. Oh, I have to be a thought leader. okay if you're aiming, if you're aiming to declare yourself a thought leader, you've already lost. That's not what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do is have conversations and exchange value. And so if you shift that mindset from, oh, I need to create content and you say, oh, Slack messages or whiteboarding or emails, that's just exchanging information. That's just helping my teammates out. That's what creating content is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that human connection. It's not supposed to be going viral or turning yourself into a thought leader or driving impressions or driving likes. If you do it for the numbers, you're going to struggle because the algorithm is a fickle mistress, right? Where that's not what we're doing. We're creating for the humans behind the screen. So what I would do again, shifting that mindset into, okay, again, let's say I'm an engineer and I do code reviews all day. I clearly can't share all the code. Like that's proprietary information. Okay. What is the pattern? that you frequently see when you are reviewing code. Is it a syntax thing? Is it a style thing? Is it a structure thing? Is there a difference in the feedback that you find yourself giving between a senior dev and a junior dev? How do you give good code reviews? How do you do code reviews asynchronously versus synchronously? How do you do pair programming versus a code review that's further down in the process? All of that is stuff that you think about And you may even verbalize as you're talking to your team or as you're doing these code reviews, all of that process, that thinking that how do I do this better, that can be shared externally. And so it's just getting in the habit of kind of writing that down or doing voice memos or whatever makes the most sense for you. It can be the same thing, again, from an HR perspective, right? You're doing recruiting. Okay, what are the biggest pitfalls of using an applicant tracking system. Today, I was so frustrated that my ATS did this thing. Great. You can go on a whole series, rants about applicant tracking systems. Turn that into a series, right? Every Monday you go on a rant about the applicant tracking system and it's stuff that maybe you're sharing with your IT teams or you're sharing with the wider recruiting teams in terms of the filters or looking at a migration or whatever it is, right? It's just changing your lens a little bit to look at the patterns that you can then share with other people. And so that's I think the biggest mindset shift is thinking about how do I take the stuff that I'm already doing and share that in an external way? You don't have to keep switching your mindset. There's a lot of things that I don't talk about publicly because that would be a big lift for me to talk about. It's man, I don't know how this connects and like oh, I'm going to sit down and now I have to like try to figure out how to write 2000 words on this. No, just don't talk about that. If it's hard for me to figure out what the connection is, or it's boring for me, fine. I just don't talk about that publicly. I, I pick the things that I can talk about for a long time publicly. So I think that's one thing. I think the other big thing is following the right people and curating people in your feed so that you are able to have those comments Obviously, if I go follow somebody that has nothing to do with what I normally talk about, not going to have as much to say about that. And so if I'm, again, if I'm sitting there and I'm like, I just can't come up with a comment. Okay, then clearly you're not meant to comment on this. Let it go. Um, So I think just giving yourself permission to take a broader lens to what counts as content and to pick the things that already energize you that you get very excited about. And the last thing I'll say on this is, try out different asset types. What's the easiest way to create for you? For some people, it's super easy to sit down and bang out 500 words. For other people, it's super easy to hit the go live button and just be like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to start talking, right? And to share via videos. Other people, they love to sketch in notebooks or they like to whiteboard. They like to do diagrams. You could build, and there are people who have built an entire brand around, sketching or whiteboarding and diagramming, right? There are people who have built an entire brand of thoughts with Ashley and every, every Tuesday and Thursday, I just randomly pop on and start talking for 10 minutes, right? So don't feel beholden to this very civic polished brand that you think you're supposed to have. Figure out how you can create and get in that habit And then you'll start to see, okay, now I can repurpose this via a transcript or with thumbnails or something like that.
0: One of the things that's important to communicate in all of it is when you're going through that sampling phase in terms of just creating content, you got to, my perspective is you have all these different channels that you can create content on. It could be long form written, short form written. It could be clips and analysis off of articles. It could be videos. It could be any number of things. But the key thing is that as you're dipping your toe in and getting further and further involved in it you have to look at okay what can i crank out that's meaningful in a light lift you shouldn't be spending 8 hours a day trying to come up with things to say and this is one of the other mindset things that uh, that i'm trying to shift is i don't want to create content cuz it takes too long i don't want to like do all this linkedin stuff cuz it takes too long usually takes 30 minutes, maybe an hour that you block off and then you're done. And then once you shut down, you just reply to comments or whatever at the end of the day. So this isn't like a part-time job or extra work. It's something that's integrated into what you're supposed to be doing or what you could do. So now we've built sort of the fundamentals or the framework that you need to do to establish a brand. Let's say you want to accelerate your brand and really take the next level. And whatever that next level could be, hey, you want to be more widely recognized within your own industry. You might want to parlay this into some sort of regular speaking engagement, any number of things, whatever that looks like. What are the things that you should be thinking about and being intentional about to position yourself for those higher credibility opportunities?
1: The first thing is consistency. So a lot of people, I see this all the time. They're like, I've decided to do a personal brand campaign. So for one quarter, I'm going to post on LinkedIn. And you're like, okay, that's not, the brand has to keep going. Similar to a company. It's companies don't exist for one quarter. Hopefully they exist for a hundred years. Obviously humans will, currently most of us don't exist for a hundred years, but thinking about it in the long run to say, what are my goals? So you have to show up consistently. So that's the first step is you have to be present. The second step is that you have to actually be open to those opportunities. I So the way I did this is I went through basically a year of yes, where literally anything that I could say yes to, podcasts, webinars, speaking engagements, contributing a quote, writing an article, I said yes to all of it. And I did all of it. And it was exhausting. But what that let me do was show that I was everywhere. I was prolific. And so someone knew that if they asked me to come speak, or they asked me to provide a quote, I actually would do that because it's like, oh, wow, look, she's done all of these things. She said, yes. And so you start to build that credibility that, okay, I see what you're writing about. I see how you show up consistently on stage or on podcasts or on webinars. I see that you do what you say you're going to do. So I'm willing to ask you or sign you up so you build that both from a credibility of expertise and then a credibility of being a dependable person. So at this point now I've spoken at a couple of different places multiple times and so they know I'm a dependable speaker. Even internally when I when people need something they know that they can come ask me and that I have processes in place and that I will show up in a way that makes sense. And so it's actually a lighter lift on both of us because they already trust that I will show up paired on a message with decent slides, all of those things. And then I would say the third thing is having all of your materials together to be able to pitch. So I do get a lot of inbound opportunities, but I also pitch for a lot of opportunities. And so I spend time at the very beginning of the year. I have a whole spreadsheet where I've looked at opportunities, the places where I want to pitch, particularly conferences. So conferences usually look for speakers anywhere from three to 12 months in advance. So for example, inbound is coming up and I've had people reach out to So is outbound. So is outbound. Yeah. (laughs) I've had people reach out to me and be like, man how did you get to speak at inbound? And I'm like, I started that conversation in December of 2021. And so if you think you're going to have that conversation starting in August of 2022, when the event is in September, they've been locked. My slides are already due. They're not looking for new speakers. My slides are due. My final deck is due. So understanding what that cadence is for the speaking engagements that you really want understanding what the editorial process is. When you pitch, so I have a number of articles that I've published on The Muse, which is a career site. Their editorial process, same thing for marketing profs. I've written for them a number of times. They may have a six to 12 week lead time on publishing. And so if you've got something that's only relevant in the next two weeks, probably not going to get published in those two outlets because they have such a long lead time for their editorial calendars. So even starting to think about where do I want to show up, however evergreen is this content, what is the publishing process or the pitch process or the selection process for each of these things, right? You and I went back and forth to schedule this podcast in a fairly tight timeline That is not the case for something like inbound or for getting something published on B2B marketing, on marketing profs, for example, right? So that preparation that if I do get an an opportunity, I already have the slide deck. I already have the abstract. I already know what the outline is. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, we happen to have a slot for a quote or a contributed article on thought leadership. Great. Here's the three things I can talk about with thought leadership. Which one do you want? it's already written. I can maybe provide a different example or riff on it if they want so that it's slightly different, but I'm not creating this content from scratch anymore. I already created it. I riff on it. And I think that preparation, that's what's hard. I have tried to refer a number of people for speaking engagements that I can't take. And in a lot of cases, even with three months notice, they're like, I just don't have time to prepare for it. If you want to do this, you need to start preparing before you get it asked or before you start to pitch right so that balance of the preparation that is key so you have to be showing up consistently so that when you do get selected or when you do pitch people go back and they look at your body of work they see that you're smart they see that you're engaged they see that you're dependable and then on the flip side you've now used all of that body of work to prepare you so that it's not such a heavy lift when you do get asked to do something that's more high profile
0: In a lot of ways, what you're describing, it synthesizes two concepts. One, begin with the end in mind. So, if your mindset is, Hey, I want to speak at these events, you need to plan out and identify what those events are and use your weighted decision matrix to identify where they are, how you plan it, and all of that sort of stuff. And at the same time, you should be building towards that goal by showing up. So, if you want to speak at event X that's on topic Y, well, part of your brand should be focused on talking about topic Y on a regular basis. And that that builds the muscle memory that, that you need to do this. And it's interesting that you mentioned it. It's the whole concept of speaking engagements. It's something that's been on my radar. It's just a matter of finding the time to plan and build that. So I'm taking a different approach where I've gotten approach from stuff that I've done on my podcast. And then I launched the LinkedIn live show too. Basically, after I saw you do that a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, I could launch this. So let me clear up another another vehicle to, to run my mouth. So this is great stuff. What I want to do next is take all of the stuff that we talked about and all of this great conversation and synthesize it into the two or three most important things that you feel the average listener or viewer on this needs to take home so that they can make better decisions, start building their brand, positioning themselves for sort of an evergreen career trajectory. What would those be?
1: First, you have to know what you value and what value you bring. And so things like the weighted decision matrix can help you really hone in on the things that you... Knowing the value that you bring can also help shape your personal brand. And so when you marry those two things up, what you value and then the value you bring, that's where you really start getting into that accelerated career trajectory or that accelerated brand mindset. The second thing is just start. And I know there's been some discussions online of just start that you're not going to get better if you don't actually practice intentionally. And I'm like, yes, but if you never practice at all, you're also There's so many people who read a ton of books and listen to a ton of podcasts and like, man, if only, you know, I've really been preparing by listening and watching. At some point, part of the preparation is doing, you have to show up, you have to try. So just start trying, start to build that habit so that you can then start to see where your areas of improvement are so you can practice with intentionality. So that's the second thing is to start, be consistent third thing, and this is the last thing that I'll say, is be prepared. Look at where you want to go, understand what that journey is, and then break that into those milestones that can also feed into and be laid out in your weighted decision matrix that, okay, if being the face is something that is very important to you from a career standpoint or a personality standpoint, great. You need to do these things to build the personal brand and put yourself out there So that you can speak at this conference or get featured in this publication or get promoted into a more visible leadership position. Whatever that thing is, that has to be included in your values. That has to be included in the way that you are showing up when you're starting and when you're showing up consistently. So that be prepared mindset of know what the journey is, break it down into those milestones and be a a couple of steps ahead before that milestone hits So that you're really ready to take full advantage of the opportunity.
0: Great stuff, Ashley. Before we sign off, where can people find you?
1: So you will be shocked that I will say LinkedIn. But yes, definitely follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. I love talking to people on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter at Ashley Foss. I don't show up there as frequently as LinkedIn. But yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter are great places to find me.
0: So one thing that I will say, thanks. Obviously, thanks for joining us. The only area of disappointment that I have in this conversation is that early in the conversation I said that we would have 50 takeaways. I only counted like 47.25, so we fell a little bit short of expectations. But other than that, I think I think you, I think it's phenomenal having you on and, ch- and chatting with you for a bit. Yeah. So Ashley, so I
1: was going to say I think the biggest dis- I think the biggest disappointment is that we didn't have this over cake.
0: Oh, like yeah. the fact
1: that you're only on Zoom with me, it's just. It would be better if there was cake. That's my disappointment.
0: That's why I run every morning because I I, I do love some cake. So Ashley, awesome conversation. Thanks for joining us. For those of you who are listening and who will be watching us on all of our various platforms, you can find us on the Cascading Leadership handle everywhere. So we're on LinkedIn primarily. We are on Facebook. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. We're not on Instagram because that's only for food pics. So thanks again for joining us. If you like this, this episode, make sure you leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends, do all the things that the crazy kids want you to do these days. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review.